The views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also forgive. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. What is it that Paul is talking about here? He's writing to the church at Colossae. Uh, you know, the church was a was made up of people, some who were Jews, some who had come from many very different walks of life. And as they gather together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says that needs to be the center. You know, uh, we're in the middle of a hot button. Right now there are things that are going on. There have been riots not far from here, uh, not in Atlantic City. I know that, uh, you know, even our governor spoke about it yesterday afternoon when he talked about the, the riots that took place, and he was, you know, he was always pushing the positive where he said, yeah, of the demonstrations, there were only two of them that were not peaceable. I'm like, yeah, I thought there were more than that that were not peaceable, but, you know, let's just go with your number. And one of them that he talked about was in Trenton, where there were some terrible things happened, and one was in Atlantic City. And I know that some, uh, some really bad acts took place. And I know that there was a lot of property damage and there were people injured. And I understand there were even several shootings in the state as a result of these. So, um, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, so what kind of environment is this and should we expect this? So the, the first question that I get asked is, do you think that racism exists here in the United States? And my response to that is, of course there's racism in the United States. There, there has been racism in every culture uh, almost since the beginning of time. It didn't take long after Adam and Eve before they had sons, that even sons were uh, not getting along with each other. The first two sons were Cain and Abel, and then Cain killed his brother Abel. And then Cain was marked and sent away, and he defied God, and he made a made this massive race of people that didn't get along with others. And it just, it seemed as though there has always been a group of people that were um, somehow seemed to want to gain or take the advantage over another group of people. And it doesn't matter what the reason, whether the reason was skin color, whether the reason was the place of origin, or just because our ancestors were here before you, or in many places in the Middle East, between the, you know, the Sunni and the Shia, uh, Muslims, you know, the differences from our perspective might seem might seem um, minimal, but from their perspective, they divide uh, right down even to life and death. And my understanding is that uh, the main reason is that I uh, don't remember which one it is, which whether it's a Sunni or the Shiite, that uh, their imams have to be direct descendants of Muhammad, and the other one they don't necessarily need to be blood descendants of Muhammad. And 
they will fight in war over that. Uh, people find ways to divide. They find ways to be able to be um, to, to oppress others, to keep people subject to them for whatever their reasons or insecurity or their fear, um, natural inclination toward being the king of the hill, whatever those reasons. So, yeah, it takes place in, in every environment. It takes place in every culture and in every, you can even call it in every society throughout all of world history. If you've studied any of the, uh, you know, any of the anthropological studies, you can see that it happens over and over and over again. So we should expect it even in our day. We know that it was alive and well in Jesus' day, and we know that it was alive and well even in the years after that, some 30 years after Jesus' day, it was still alive and well. And we find in Colossae, which was uh, you know, a port where there would be so many different people groups coming through, that they had so many varied languages that they had to come up with a common language that they decided to use as their one main language. And as they did that, others were saying, yeah, but it's not fair that I have to learn that language, and maybe we should all trade in our own language, and how come we have to use that money? Caesar put an end to all of that. And Caesar said, well, I've done with all of you, and you're all going to speak we are going to speak this, and they chose the language that he wanted them to choose, the common language of the day, and he said, and here's the money you're going to use. And if you have any question about whose money you're going to use, you're going to use the money with my face on it, and it's going to have Caesar's face on all the money. So, okay then, put a stop to it, he thought. But the reality is people are still people, and they're still going to, to act badly toward one another. And here, even Paul, as he's writing to the, those people in Colossae, and he's writing to Christians, he's writing to those who know better, who know their position in Christ Jesus, and he says, but you have to put off that which is the old man, and put off those evil deeds, and put off that which is the anger and the malice and the wrath, and all that is equated with what he calls the old man. And we need to put that off, and we need to put on loving kindness, tender mercies, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another. We don't like to bear up with one another. But even in his day, he says, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. You know, so as he's writing to them, he said, look, even you guys have your own, uh, we'll call them factions, and, and it happens, and there are factions that, that seem to take up sides and they seem to feel more comfortable with each other, and maybe they feel more comfortable because they speak the same language, or they have the same heritage, or they grew, in the, grew up in the same neighborhoods. And some of that uh, is helpful and healthy, but when it divides and when it causes oppression, then it has to go. Because in Christ, you can't have that. You can't, you're not permitted to, uh, to see another by their skin color. You're not to see someone because of the language that they have. You're not to see someone because of their ability or their disability or, you know, whatever uh, it is that makes one person different or could put you at what you might perceive to be an advantage. That if you use your advantage for personal gain, you are an exact opposite of what Jesus would have for you. And when I see here that he says to the church, he says, look, you guys, you guys can't have this. You can't have this division. You can't. And he's, now he's working with Christians, and he's telling Christians you have to do this because they need to put it away, and they need to make sure that, that we line up with what it is that's Christ. Because humans, we have the ability to become uh, dividers, and we have the ability to become um, even racist in many regards. And when we do that, we are not Christ-like because there is one who didn't see skin color. He didn't see uh, any of the differences. All he saw was sinner, and he came to seek and save that sinner. 
He came to redeem the lost, and that was Jesus Christ. So we in Jesus Christ, we need to strive to be more like him. So we know that God holds no difference between men. He writes here, and he says, there's no difference between you guys. I couldn't care less who your mom was. I couldn't care less where you were born, the color of your skin, or the language that you speak. You need to be in Christ, and then you're a new creation, and you guys need to put all that stuff away. And the problem I see it in society is, the biggest problem is that we have taken God the unifier and we have removed him from every aspect of our lives. When we've removed him from the schools, we removed him from the military, we removed him from the government, we've removed him from every aspect of our lives, and then we say, now I expect you to act in a way that is, that is other-centered and selfless. Like, where do you find that in society, outside of a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? What are your thoughts, Rick? I, 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 I agree with you. I, I mean, wholeheartedly, the human side of us we are. As much as we don't want to be, we're, I don't want to use the word force, but I think sometimes our human nature and our blood pressure and surrounding environments forces us to do that unwillingly. Um, so, you know, what's going on right now, I wish would stop. I mean, it's sad to see uh, on the news, a gentleman come out and say that was deeply crying, I came from where you came from, and you're robbing me. And you can make a better life for yourself. And they don't want to even listen to themselves. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say on this. Um, it's Well, clearly, even, even if someone is suffering an injustice, which, uh, you know, they're... You know, the, the elephant in the room has clearly been identified. When you see Mr. Floyd uh, killed on yes. YouTube, the, there's no, I mean, I was a sheriff's officer for 17 years. I can't imagine that kind of action to have my knee on the neck of someone for that long of a period of time when Absolutely. they're pleading for their mother. Right. And they're, I mean, the... I can't find a. Ju There's nothing in me that can say I can justify a moment of that. No, I can justify it. You know, out of fear, you can you can react, and there can be you know you, you know, the adrenaline rush of a moment. Perhaps you can you know pin him to the ground. Okay, okay. perhaps, but you just can't keep your weight on his neck like that. Right. You just you. Nobody. No, no. And, and they're trained better than that. They really are. Police officers are trained better than that. So he didn't act within his training. No, he did not. He didn't act within any any moral human code. Nope. There's there's no justification no. for it. And unfortunately, if it were anybody else doing that to another human, and it weren't a cop, the people around them would have stopped it. Yes. But because he was a cop, mm -hmm. they. Uh, they did not, I believe, they did not feel the freedom or the liberty to jump in because of their own fear. What's right. going to happen to what me? What happened to them? Right, exactly. I mean, but yeah, it was totally, I mean, shocking beyond belief that you would pin somebody down that way. And he, I mean, kind of smiled when they were, sh you know, when the, the phones were on him. He kind of gave like a smirky look, like, uh, you, the person is yelling, I can't breathe. I mean, it's, how can you. I know. I just you know. My understanding is that you know that I can't breathe has been uh, taken and utilized by many who have been arrested in order to somehow uh, use it as a, mm -hmm. 
some way to to get out of it. Get out of it in some right. way. I can't breathe. I can't breathe has become the mantra many right. times when they get arrested after they've resisted arrest. That's my understanding. But none of them that I've seen cried out for their mom. You right. know when. That is not, that's not a I'm trying to save face here. I'm trying to be big and bad. Yes. I'm pleading for my life. Right. When I'm saying, mom, mother, mm-hmm. help, you know, right. when you're crying for help, that is not, you're not profiling, right. you're not trying to be strong and the big guy. You're just pleading for right. your life. Because uh, the, the one person in our human, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go the, the one person in our human life that we don't expect to ever hurt us is our mother. So that's why he was calling out. His mother, yeah, you, you know, thinking that maybe the police officer would have caught on. I, I don't know. I mean, but the family, I do feel deeply sorry for them in so many ways. At the same time, the families come out and said, "Please stop what you're doing," which right. I give the family a lot of credit for that. And at the same time, this officer will pay the price for his actions. And, you know, end of story. He was wrong, and he has to suffer the consequence. I mean, that family lost their loved one. You know, and from what I understand, it was over a bad check. I I, I don't know the whole story. It was supposed to be a fraudulent $20 bill or something. Okay. But, you know. Look, I I don't know about you, Rick. You know, um, I have, in the past, received from the bank money that was fraudulent. Oh, definitely. You know, it happens. I, I don't counterfeit money, but I have had a counterfeit $20 bill in my mm-hmm. hand. And when you go somewhere and they swipe it with the pen and they tell you this is no good, that, is, that really breaks right. your heart. Now, you don't go to prison for it because you're not trying to pass a $20 bill right. off, uh, but it's still a bad bill. And when they check it, you don't get it back. No. It's like, right. sorry, dude, my pen says your bill your, your, your bill's no good. Right. Is that all? Happened to me many times in only the previous business that I owned. And, and it, was, it was sometimes hundreds, not just the 20s. Ooh. You know, at least the 20s, you could say, ah, no big deal. But when it's a couple hundred dollar bills, yay, that adds up. And it's the same thing. The bank goes, I'm sorry, Rick, we know it's not you. Right. You know, somebody's just passing around. That's what I learned. We get a pen now, and we start doing the same thing. You know, because, you know, sometimes a, a hard lesson is the one that sticks in your head. Yep. You know, but, I, yeah. I just never expected it from the bank, but, yeah. you know. Uh, well, sometimes the bank's machine doesn't pick it up. I, you know, it happens. Yeah, they're not trying to pass counterfeit money. No. I, mean, always, I mean, they're not deliberately trying to. I'm not deliberately trying to. But we, you and I both know that it happens. Yes. You know, you, you're going to go to the gas station or whatever it is and mm-hmm. get $20 worth of gas. And the attendant's pen is going to come back mm-hmm. that it, and you're going to feel embarrassed because, like, wait, wait a minute, dude. I am not trying right. to, to right. cheat you out of 20 right. bucks. I'm, dead, no, I'm, I'm, I'm now out 20 bucks. That's right. the way I feel about it. No, you're right. But, and there's no recourse because, you know, you could turn it in, which the bank does turn it into the Secret Service, and they have ways of finding out. But the Secret Service doesn't come back and say, oh, here, right. Vince, here's the $20. Right. You, you know, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. No. Yeah, no. So, I, so for $20, for even the charge of that, especially, you know, you get back instant uh, record checks on people now, so right. it's not like in the patrol car they didn't run a check on mm-hmm. on the man and find out if he's wanted for anything, if he's right. had prior arrests and that kind of thing. And that takes, uh, even if it takes a couple of minutes, it doesn't take that long. And you, and you get to do that. You can do it almost instantly. Right. I understand that there, there, you know, there's a lot of tension in the air around them, 
But you just have to make better choices. And his choices, uh, it was not choices that led to death. It was choices that he knew would cause death. And that, there's a difference. Yes. You know, it, you know, you don't just walk somebody and then find out, oh, no, I dropped him in a manhole. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was open. Right. You know, you, you deliberately took action that you knew had the probability of taking it, a life. Oh, right. And, then, and that's not his decision to make. Right. Um, so, I mean... I, I again, I, I do do feel sorry for the family, no doubt about it. I also feel sorry for the officer's family because now they're in a blind life, right? For no reason, uh, you know. So nobody wins on this. But I wish the young children would stop looting and going around and destroying businesses and property. A church in in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, the oldest church, totally burnt down to nothing. People, what are you thinking when you're doing this? Uh, well, they're angry, and, I, and, yeah, absolutely. and anger, anger is justified. I, there's no reason not to be angry. They should be angry over this. We as a society should be universally angry over this, that this can happen, because it should not happen. That could be your your brother, your son. Absolutely. So just because it happens to be that scenario, uh, I mean, you know, we don't want to carry it too far and open up, you know, for phone calls of, oh, I experienced this or I experienced right, that. Right. Uh, believe me, it, it happens and people have experienced it mm-hmm. in, in many ways. Unfortunately, uh, and there are bad there are bad police officers. Clearly, we see yes. that too. Yes, there's no doubt about it. I, I wish there weren't, but there are. And, but they don't speak for the majority of police officers fortunately no they do not just like those who smash the windows don't speak for the majority of those who are protesting right but when the anger then turns to more than just anger if i mean righteous anger is justifiable defensive anger you know to defend and say we're not going to take this anywhere i can't even understand that but i'm going to smash the window of an apple store and steal ipods yes that's not you're not into anger anymore now you're into vengeance yes and vengeance is not for us. No. There is one who, who exacts vengeance, and that's a righteous vengeance. Is there, is there a retribution? Of course there is. You know, that's what the court system is for, is their defense, and are there the, you know, the activities that, that we're permitted under law? And if the law needs to change, then we need to protest in order to change law, then fine. Right. Uh, uh, okay. We have that right. That's right. We should do that, and we should at least uh, we should engage uh, the dialogue so that... Right that this doesn't happen, and, or at least the, the perception of it being so common can be dealt with. Mm-hmm. How does that get, uh, get addressed? But as a result of, of the vengeance and the overwhelming violence, it's hard. They take the respect and that which is the, uh, the momentum out of the protest, and they cheapen the protest. Yes, they do. By burning down a Walmart, you cheapen mm-hmm. the protest by taking the grocery store in the neighborhood that's already struggling right. and looting the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You, you cheapen the protest when you you smash windows in houses of people who are just trying to make a living and uh, live their life in the same community in which you're right. living. But you think that setting a car on fire there is is going to be a statement? Yeah, it's a statement that says I don't care about this community. No, you, absolutely. They're burning down their own communities, and I'm going to leave it at that. All right, um, let's uh, take a break okay. here. All right, before we do that, as always, the phone number here, area code 609-593-9654. Once again, 609 
1-800-926-9654. You are listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. All calls are welcome and the phone lines are open. We'll be back right after this. Attention all South Jersey brides-to-be. Congratulations. Hi, this is Nikki G. Trust your reception entertainment to me. I've had the honor of being rated one of the South Jersey's top-rated entertainers for wedding receptions. From Tom's River to Cape May, from Atlantic City to the Delaware Valley, it's been my privilege to deliver one amazing wedding reception after another. I bring along all the great party hits from back in the day to now. State-of-the-art sound system, party props and hats, and dance floor lights, plasma TV screens, and uplighting room effects. Call me now for the wedding reception of your dreams. Get one-on-one personal service, not a roulette wheel of DJs. Call now for your free portfolio and referrals. For the most amazing wedding reception at the most amazing price, call me at 609-805-0479. That's 609-805-0479. WNJHradio.com. Proud to salute and support all of our hometown South Jersey medical professionals, law enforcement, and local businesses. Spotlighting Columbia 2 restaurant and caterers on the White Horse Pike in Hamilton at the border of Mullica Township. Call them at 609-561-0907 or visit their website, Columbia2.com. Featuring homemade Italian menu and catering. WNJHradio.com. Proud to be live, local, and loyal to South Jersey. You're listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. All right, we are back. And once again, our number, 609-593-9654. Area code 609-593-9654. I do promise you that the pastor would not embarrass you at all. So don't be afraid to ask a question. That's what we're here for. And don't embarrass him. (laughs) Uh, We leave the wife up for that Uh. one. Um, But, yes, please, if there's anything you want to ask the pastor, it doesn't have to be about the topic of tonight. It could be any topic that's relative to you. Uh, So, please, one more time, the number is 609-593-9654. One thing you did say that... um, made me daydream for a little bit and you're absolutely right jesus never discriminated on color height weight looks nothing he he did his father's work right and and we should all learn from that and it's hard as humans and it's even harder i think now than it was when my parents were alive and growing in a society that didn't have TV, didn't have um, um, cars, and they had to, you know, walk to school. They had to take everything for granted, and actually uh, work on the farms. Right. You know, things were much, much different. Um, we have made society so much better for us each each generation that I think we're starting to lose some of that focus on. The book. Well, part of what part of what we had was um, we were able to just a few minutes ago. We could clearly identify there's there's a problem. We can even identify what the problem is, but we don't want to see the solution. And the solution is, you know, we need to have the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And when you eliminate God 
from society and from our decision-making process. You just remove God from the equation. What are you left with? So if there is no eternity, there is no afterlife, if there is no reason uh, for a um, being better other than because it, it makes us feel better in the universe eyes, I guess. Mm-hmm. But if there is no, no afterlife, then what would be the benefit to esteeming someone better than yourself? But yet Jesus Christ said this, you know, in Philippians, uh, Paul writes to them and he said, you know, Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation. He became the least. So here he is, God the Son, God in the flesh, and he then puts on humanity and then became humble. We think about humility sometimes. Uh, we have a weird view of humility. We think of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, my, I'm, I'm just, a, I don't deserve even an umbrella in the rain. Don't worry about, that, that's not humility. That, that's, that's some type of depressive, diagnosable condition. I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on TV. But Eeyore needs help for, for that yes. condition. Yes, he does. That's not humility. Right. Humility is being honest with ourselves. You know, you and I sit across from a table, and you have different gifts, strengths, talents, and abilities than I do. So on Monday nights, for instance, when we have our Zoom meetings at the church, I rely on you being there. Because if there's any tech problem, you can fix it. Right. Sunday mornings, you come to church, you're helping out with whatever is necessary to be there. You have gifts, talents, and abilities that are different than mine. And if your gifts were the same as mine, then we would be really limited. But because your gifts, your gifts, your strengths, your talents, and your abilities are different than mine, we get a lot accomplished. We can yes. do much more. Absolutely. You get, you get three or four people in the mix, and all of us using all of our talents together, we're like unstoppable. Right. But the problem is that you have to recognize those areas that you're stronger in than I am, and you have to not be selfish. You have to be uh, humble and say, how can I use my strengths to benefit Pastor Vince? Mm -hmm. And I have to use my strengths as to how I can help benefit Rick. And when we do that for each other, man, so much stuff gets accomplished. And that's true. I mean, we did that, not to go back in time, but we did that when you came to us and said, how can we still get to our members even though the church is closed? And what happened with 10 of us came together quickly, and we didn't miss a beat. And did things that I can't even describe. Right. I would have to make up letter. I thought you guys were making up acronyms right. for what it is that you were doing. You're mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to put this, I'm going to have to put this, and I'm making up words here. No, no, but that can't be compressed that much. I right. have to run it through this, mm-hmm. and then I have, and you're using these uh, setting up machines, and you're talking about, I can run it through Cat 5. No, I have Cat 6 that I can run from here to here. No, but we don't have that. I use right. an ether cable from, um, you guys are speaking Chinese to me. Right. Uh, because that's what it looked. It sounded like to me. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those skills, but no. you guys did, and it came right. together, boom, boom, right. so that we were able to get the word of God out without. Uh, it was almost seamless, yes. flawless. Yeah. Not from my chair, because you guys put in seventy hours a week. Right. But from my chair, it was seamless. Right. I get to sit in a chair and open my Bible and share God's word, and everything links and everything sinks. Mm-hmm. I watched you guys trying to get the the delay from the sound. Mm. matching the, the video. The video, right. And you had to run it through, uh, not just a... Com- I, I don't know how you did I don't care. But whatever it is that you used, uh, you did and you used it so that you're within milliseconds, you're, you're timing things right. and delaying things. Right. Where nobody would really see the difference, but you're right. It's literally a little hair right. off and nobody would see that. But, but you had a big part to do with it too because, one, you gave us the will 
Okay. You, you encouraged us. You said, guys, I can't help you, right. but I know you guys could do it, but I'll be here to help you. And you did. I mean, so you're right. You recognized the gifts and talents, which that's a new thing for me, understanding what that means through the Bible. And we recognized the gifts and talents that you have. And we said, we're going to do this because we're not going to let it. We all said this will not fail. We would find a way if that meant, you know, me holding a rod outside, wait for the, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the lightning to strike for us to get the idea. But we did, and, and we did it quickly. I, I mean, real quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, and, yeah. And the job has been—it's been a professional job from start to finish. I, I, I could not have done. Obviously, I could not have done it. And many of my friends who are pastors. Um, were struggling in that area because they just didn't have they didn't have the guys that had that ability to be able to do that. So they're using what they had and they're using the resources they had. And of course, God provides, especially you know as the need presents itself. But boy, it was really nice to know you guys have those technical abilities to be able to do that. Those are strengths. You know, you have other strengths, and you know, all right. So maybe you're a little weak in controlling what comes out of your mouth when you get angry. <laughs> Anybody that knows me will know that's true. So I'm not even going to deny it. You know, but like I was saying, I have learned, and it almost be a year that you and I have been very good friends, that I have learned mm -hmm. to control that. And one of the things I learned from you was the JC word and how to control that. And I have really, I'm even amazed myself, learned how to control that one. Now, the other word, uh, I'm getting a little better on that one. It's um, been translated rasser frasser. Rasser fra right, right, right. Which you'll probably hear this week when we go golfing. But that'd be nice. I, you know, but I have learned that, you know, and sometimes we all need to learn that. But I also learned it by reading something that I should have read for a very long time, and I didn't. Going to Catholic school was different. We had it so much in the daytime period that maybe I was just overblown. Uh, but going back and reading the good book kind of... Oh, yeah, the, it, there's no substitute for the Bible. It brings things back to to life. And becoming friends with other members of the church where I could call and say, hey, I quite don't understand this. Uh, Burns probably tired of hearing from it. Uh -huh. it, it. You know, but, you know, we have that. Um, but And a lot of people don't, and... Well, part nothing of that we is... Could, nothing, know, I, I don't know what we could do about that. Well, you know, we identified the problem, and then we, we also identified the solution. The, the solution is more of Christ. And when we eliminate Christ from more areas of our life, we are, we're going to be left with just more of our flesh and more of ourselves. And, by the way, humans are selfish and prone to uh, taking advantage. That's the big thing that Jesus Christ came to tell us, uh, is first you must repent and be born again. Right on the heels of that, you are to love your neighbor as you do yourself. How do you do that? Well, you care about yourself, which means you're looking for those things in your neighbor uh, that you can be an assist to. So instead of saying, how can I take advantage of my neighbor, it's how can I be a blessing to my neighbor. You know, you're uh, I'm just walking down through a Walmart the other day, and I'm in the parking lot, and there's a uh, an elderly woman. And uh, fortunately, at this point in my life, anybody who's older than me, I get to call elderly. So... She's an elderly woman, and she's got a flat okay, tire, and, and there's a younger man changing the tire, and he's just a ball of sweat, and he's struggling with it. And I had my truck with me, and in my truck I have a hydraulic jack and a, you know, a four-way wrench, which 
because it's the only way I can change a tire anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting under there with a, you know, a, the factory jack is not oh, going to yeah. do it. Uh, so I have that in my truck. So I said, hey, can I give you a hand? He said, if you have a jack, I could really use it, because he took the jack out of his mom's minivan, and it collapsed and twisted, which they are prone to do. And uh, so he's trying to make this twisted jack work, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not going well, and you're in the middle of a, a Walmart. Right. So I said, yeah, I have a jack. And when I came back with the jack that I had, it, you could see his whole face lit up. Mm-hmm. And then you get to talk for just... Maybe five minutes. That's mm-hmm. how long it takes, really, you know, for a competent guy to change a tire. Right. For five minutes, it just made his whole world. And if I heard thank you less than 30 times from this wonderful woman, uh, I said, please, please, I, I just have a jack. I just, right. You know, I, I happen to be here. Uh, but I wonder, you know, how many people walked by and I just, did nothing. And yeah. did nothing. Mm-hmm. How many people walked by and did nothing? I, you know, I don't know. People are not uh, because they just don't engage anymore. Right. And sometimes they don't engage because of fear. Sometimes for whatever the reasons are that they don't engage. When I grew up, that was you looked out for your neighbor. If yes. somebody was broken down on the side of the road, all the time you oh, pulled over and helped. You know, all the time. I mean, growing up where I grew up, we did that. I mean, my one neighbor was cutting trees down. My father was not good at that, but he would have done if, you know, if Danny said, hey, hold his rope and, and pull tight. You right. know, my father would say, all right, uh, you know, you know, I'll do it. Or after the tree branches fell down, let's go get the rake. Let's, yeah. you know, pick up, you know, because we all did. And this time of the year when it came warm, we used to all eat together because it was beautiful to sit outside. And we would just barbecue everything on two barbecues. And then at the same time, help. You know, I would love to see that. I mean, a friend of mine I think says, we're getting it. I think we're getting I, it. I think I, this, the next generation, I they're so. seeing a value in it. I hope so. My kids, uh, my kids are married, and they're doing that. And I think, this is great. They're, getting, they're having their neighbors over, and they're having a, yes. you know, the, the barbecues in the backyard and, and in the neighborhood. And it's, man, I'm telling you. But this COVID thing is causing more fear. Oh, no doubt in people. It. I, I mean, none. I was, again, I was driving down with my truck, and I saw a man, elderly man. Uh, I like saying that. Yeah, name. I know. And <laughs> in a few more years, I'm going to say it to you. But That's right. <laughs> And he was riding a bicycle, and he had a flat tire. It was in Egg Harbor Township. So I pulled up, and I was going to uh, offer to help. Mm-hmm. He was scared to death of me. Yes. I said, Look, I, you know, I just have a truck. If you right. want, throw your bike in the truck. I can take you home or take right. you wherever you want to mm-hmm. get your bike fixed. And he all but scattered away. I'm like, okay. I, and there should be no no reason for that, God. None whatsoever. I mean, I have done that. And I sometimes try to feel the person out because of my height. Right. I'm, I'm more worried about can oh. I defend myself oh. if somebody's going to attack me. Well, I have helped... There's this gentleman that actually lives in my neighborhood. Um, he carries bags of groceries down the street. And I, to the point if I see him, I just pull over. I still haven't gotten his name. I know where he lives. And I just pull over and say, put the stuff in the back seat, get in the front, and let's go home. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, he gets off the bus and unloads the bus of all the groceries. And then he's walking. He walks so many feet. Then go goes back and get the other set. Oh my! And it's like, and a number of people riding by, 
He looks harmless. Right. Harmless. And one time he offered me gas money. I said, no, hmm. no, no. We live in the same community. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know. I said, if you want a ride, I'll give you a ride, you, you know. But there are so many people, you're right. Perfect example, that elderly lady, as you like to use, um, you know, how many people did walk by her and not even bother to do that now? Back- so many that she called her son to come and help. So right. that was... That was something that was telling in the first place because, yeah. you know, if it were my mom out there right. and she had a flat tire, I really would like to think that 10 people would have come and helped try to change her tire. 50 years ago, yeah. absolutely. You would have had 50 years ago that would have been with no, well, a little longer than that, maybe 70 years ago. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I like what I had growing up. I want that. I do for too. society now, I, I do wish too. it were. I wish it were similar. Yeah. You know, we walked. Community was important. Everybody yes. knew everybody. Mm-hmm. Didn't we lock walked to town. Didn't lock the doors. Yeah, town yeah. was where uh, town was where you conducted business because mm-hmm. that's where the businesses were. Right. Grocery stores were in town. Right. Now things have moved through throughout town, and we all drive so we can we can get there. Right. But um, like I said, I'm a big fan of local. I think that you know we ought yes. to we ought to encourage one another, and we ought to get because that's how you get to know people. Right. You can't get to know people driving 30 miles away, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, investing there. Right. Invest here. This yeah, is absolutely. These are the people that, you know, I'm called to minister here, and I'm not called to minister here because I was called to minister here um, to be brought here. I'm called to minister here because this is where God called me. This is my hometown. It's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. This is where I, I am pleased to minister. So right. uh, I love the town, I love the community. I love every improvement that takes place, and every year it gets better and Absolutely. better. This year I am mortified because of all of the closings and the failure yes. to uh, have the events mm-hmm. that normally bring this community together. Yeah, absolutely. And they're all uh, as a result of you know the, right. the pandemic. I get it. I understand. I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not right. bashing. But I'm saying the opportunities have now been missed mm-hmm. for an Easter and for Mother's Day and for Memorial Day and right. the parades and the uh, the gatherings and now the Red, White, and Blueberry Festival and the 16th of July and right. the, you know, all of those things that we look forward to that help unify and build up the community we're now missing when we know the answer, the answer to the epidemic and the epidemic is not just the virus. The epidemic is one of fear. The epidemic is one of anger and that anger needs to be addressed and there's no way or nowhere to put it off. Mm -hmm. If you don't have something righteous to put on, you're just going to stew in the anger. So what do you put off? You put off the old man, you put off the flesh, you recognize that there is a God who will, for lack of a better term, he will be the one who exacts vengeance. I don't need to exact vengeance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be wronged in many situations, you know, and when I am, God will ultimately deal with it and it'll all work out. What will that look like? Well, when people act the way they do, when people uh, harm others the way that uh, George Floyd was harmed, Mm-hmm. There is a higher court beyond the judicial system. Right. And when we recognize that, it gives us a calm and a peace. And it causes us to say that which was a terrible act should never happen again. How do we cause society to not ever want to exact that on another human? Well, the only way is if they have peace in their heart. Right. 
And the only peace they're going to get, or can get, true peace, is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God in their lives. So they need to know God. They need to have a deep relationship with him. And we, who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we should be the ones who are promoting and propagating the peace and the peaceful response. But a response, there needs to be, this cannot just be let, cannot let it go. You have to address it. But how do you address it? And you recognize that there is an injustice. Absolutely. You recognize that injustice is taking place. And how is it? How does it take place? Well, um, is it, as some have said, systemic? Well, let's just assume that it is. And I, my personal view is if it's systemic, it's because we kicked God out of every one of the, all of the system. Yes, absolutely. You know, when you're yeah. taking down the Ten Commandments from the courthouse and you, you know, I, what are you left with? And the dollar bill says, in God we trust, you know. Um, but going back to um, that poor gentleman, um, again, that lost his life for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what makes me feel good on the inside is that his father came out and said, stop. Right. Stop. It's my son I lost. And I'm asking you to stop. And they're not listening. They're not even listening. I do want to share something just because I, I don't know how much of this information uh, gets out also. George Floyd, when he was in Texas, I'm told, he had a, uh, left a wonderful legacy there. That where he was in his community, he was reaching kids for Christ. He was reaching out into the community to help uh, build and encourage and strengthen them to get to know Jesus Christ, to get out of the gangs, to get out of the uh, the bad decision making that they're growing up in, and get Jesus into their life. Uh, you know, I've even seen the photographs of him standing there with a group of uh, other men and women. He's got his because the man was huge, like six six or something, and here he is standing there with the biggest smile on his face and his Bible up in the air, just sharing it with people. Uh, the man, uh, I don't have any idea what happened in Minneapolis. I certainly was not there but i saw the report of his life and the legacy that he left just a few years ago when he was in texas so by all by all arguments and all stretch um the world lost somebody who was who was productive and valuable and it's a shame to have um it's it's a shame that uh this happened however to not make light or minimize it when God says he is going to take even ashes and turn them into beauty, those people whom he impacted, maybe 10 years ago, maybe five years mm-hmm. ago, maybe yesterday, I don't know, you know, those people who are impacted as a result of his life or even his death, that may God use this to bring many into repentance, many into yes. a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, God, I, I don't believe God would allow this to be wasted given the opportunity, certainly. Now, there's something that I didn't know when I go home later and after eat my dinner from your lovely wife and look into it. Nowhere, and I watch all different news sources, as much as everybody thinks I don't, I do. I didn't hear anything about the good that you just told me about this gentleman. A pastor friend of mine from Pennsylvania sent it to me, and it was a write-up in Christianity Today. So okay. it's, uh, it's not hard to find. I'll send you the link. In fact, I, I'll just... Yeah. Yeah. It was in Christianity Christianity Today. They did a nice write-up on him because of you know who he was well, and that, his character. That, that needs to be known because, of course, the media, as the media, and we'll keep that short, uh, is doing what they're doing. But they're not highlighting the good 
this gentleman that you just told me did for other people. Um, we actually have a caller, okay, Pastor, good. so let's take it. And Great. Hello there, and you're on uh, the Carpet of Sun with Pastor uh, Vince Lombardo. I ask that you just give your first name and where you're calling from. It's uh, Sean calling from Hamilton. All right, Sean, when, what's your question for the pastor? Pastor Rick, how you doing? Pastor and Rick, how you doing? Yeah. I'm calling to um, ask a question, and I'm going to hang up and um, listen listen to the question. For the, for, for the people right now that don't know the Lord, um, one of the questions they ask is, how can a loving God allow so much pain in the world, uh, so much death, um, and if you could help us with that, because that's some of the questions that people have when they don't know the Lord, and uh, they're questioning, um, uh, you know, their place, their, their place in this world, and and their future. Some of the questions they have is, is you know, if God is such a loving God, how does He allow this? And if you could answer that, and uh, you know, lead us in Scripture to that, uh, and I'm going to hang up. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. That's an excellent question. You know, and uh, people are. It is a valid question. It's a valid question when people see injustice. It's a valid question when they see that which is uh, terrible wrong uh, that has been uh, done, travesties that have taken place. How can a loving God? Well, the reality is that, that a loving God created man with a choice. Created man, put him in the Garden of Eden and said to him, of all of the trees of the garden you can freely eat but this one. And man could not even keep that one simple choice. Right on the heels of that, the first two children born, Cain and Abel, then you find that, that Cain raised up his hand and slew his brother because he was jealous. So the first thing that we saw in the Bible, the sin that brought about everything, was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then right on the heels of that came jealousy. And then uh, nothing has changed in now 7,000 years is there is jealousy. And the jealousy is one trying to take advantage of another causes this injustice. And Jesus Christ, when he came, he said it, in this world, you will have trouble. Many times you're going to see uh, you're going to see the injustice. He then talks in John 14. He says, so let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. As he went into Jerusalem and even at his triumphal entry, you saw him come in. And uh, as he's approaching, he had approached Jerusalem and he started to weep profusely. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you. You see, the heart of God is to bring people back to him. His desire is to restore and to redeem. He's not, uh, he's not looking for anyone to perish. Uh, when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, he restores your soul. And as David, the psalmist, wrote in the 23rd Psalm, we have that peace what is our prayer? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus then tells his disciples, he said, look, um, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And he says, sure. This is the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, recognizing that God's will, of course, in heaven, uh, all things are settled. 
But in this life, things are completely unsettled because man has the freedom and the free will that we have. As a result of that free will, in this world you will have trouble. When we have the trouble, then uh, we know that there is an enemy, Satan, who's going around as a roaring lion trying to devour in First Peter, I believe it's First Peter 3, that he's uh, going around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is a, you know, a terrible statement concerning one who the, the world, who absents itself from God, then now follows and believes a lie, whatever the lie may be. It can be a lie that just says you were formed from a rock or you came about through natural selection or evolution or that you were seeded by aliens or any other lie other than God created you for a purpose, that you may be created to enjoy him forever. And when we lose sight of that, or we never have sight of that in the first place, and God is not part of our thinking, we then are, are left with what we see in the book of Jude, when over and over again you see ungodly people doing ungodly things in an ungodly manner, and their end is going to be judgment of God. Uh, ungodly does not necessarily mean evil or wicked. Ungodly means they just do not allow God to be part of their decision-making process. We will not have God to tell me what to do. I will decide what's best. And when you do that, when society gets to decide what's best, uh, sometimes it is for the benefit of many, but it is never for the benefit of all. It is always for the benefit of some, whomever the some may be. And you can look at every society ever since uh, recorded history, and you can see that one group of people oppresses another for gain always working and, and building on the backs of other people. The only place where that does not happen is in the Christian society, where there is, there is absolute equality, where you can be the, the born of the lowest family, of the lowest tribe, of the smallest group of people, and can be appointed king, as in the case of Saul. You can be the shepherd boy that no one would even recognize as an authority, and God can appoint you and anoint you as king over Israel, as in David, the man after God's own heart. So in the Christian realm, there, there are things that we need to uh, get back to in order to have society run in a way that is beneficial to humans. No other society, society outside of Jesus Christ, is subject to hit or miss. Maybe it will be okay for some, and hopefully you're in the group that are the uh, benefit or the recipient of that. But in, unless Jesus Christ is at the center, there will not be peace. And in this world, there will not be peace because he will not be at the center of the world or on the throne until one day he will come back in judgment and overthrow. But that's a topic for another day. So in answer, I guess, to the question, because sometimes I get to preaching, in answer to the question... No, when, never. <laughs> well, how can those who do not know Jesus Christ, how can they be comforted during these times? They can take comfort in this. In this world, there is trouble. Uh, but don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. My peace I leave with you. Not the peace that the world lives, but my peace I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled. Take this as, as not just a suggestion, but as the commandment of Jesus Christ. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, does that mean that you will not have difficulty in this world? Of course we're going to have difficulty in this world. This world is on a, it's uh, subject to the curse, and it is prone to that which are the actions of men. And men are, according to uh, the scripture, men are devising ways of being more evil, 
trying to find new and imaginative ways of corruption and more evil. And as I, as I start to look around, I, I can't believe how low men can go. And then when I, when I see the depth that men can go and I'm shocked, then I, I'm surprised again that they can find another depth. Uh, and it's a shame. So uh, it causes me, when you start to see these things, Jesus says in Matthew 24, when you start to see these things, brother turning against brother and thinking they're doing good as a result of it, that the wars and the, the tumult, uh, the tribulation and the, this spinning out of control, and then you start to see even the signs and the wonders, the earthquakes and the, the pestilence, which are the plagues that are coming. Uh, I've never in my life seen a pandemic like this. I've never in my life seen what the world is going through globally with the, the shortages and the whatnot. And I think that we need to take active steps to, uh, I guess the only thing I can say is to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. And no one can find peace outside of Jesus Christ. We may be able to control ourselves for a little while, but without Jesus Christ, we can't truly have a heart change in the community. Uh, can't be healed as a result because there can't be true forgiveness there can't be grace there can't be that outside of human thinking there will only be vengeance and retribution so excellent question thank you very much i hope that answers it all right let's take a quick break uh before we end the show one last time if you want to get a question in for the pastor area code 609-593-9654 Area code 609-593-9654. And you are listening to The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Diane Lombardo with Calvary Chapel Hamilton's Women's Ministry. During this difficult time with so many restrictions, it is easy to get down when we focus on the things we cannot do. I'd like to challenge us all today to focus on those things which we can do. We can call our neighbor to check on them. We can offer to get groceries for the elderly living nearby. We can send a card through the mail to encourage and brighten someone's day. We can be gracious and kind to those who are working at the grocery stores, pharmacies, and other businesses. We can brighten someone's day with just a smile from a distance. We can implement family meals within our home. We can walk around our yards and neighborhoods praying for others. We can thank those who are working on the front lines. We can plant a beautiful garden and share with our friends. We can worship God from our living rooms with live stream options. We can do so many things, even in the midst of having restrictions, in ways we never expected. Together, we can bring beauty and joy to our friends and family. I look forward to seeing the impact you will have. Please share what you're doing on our Facebook page at Calvary Chapel Hamilton. Now back to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. And we are back. Once again, our number 609-593-9654. Area code 609-593-9654. I know the pastor wouldn't mind if we went a few minutes over. But before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to a few of our Facebook uh, fans that are listening um, because uh, Pastor, you made a comment earlier about things and since I got to 
put myself in a better place and controlling my anger and all that. Uh, one of my uh, former uh, employees, uh, Frida, is watching. And one of the things um, she used to always tell me is I didn't have patience. So uh, Frida, unfortunately, that has changed. Uh, and that's a big thank you from you reminding me of that all the time. And, and, and it's a good thing. And I also want to thank uh, Randy, who is our number one fan at the station. He's always listening. So I'm glad to see that you joined us tonight. Um, but going back to um, what Sean's question uh, was about, um, how how could you convince, I, I don't know if that's the right word, how can you persuade the, the non believer or the person on the seesaw you know and they're here one day they you know everything's going good and then something goes wrong and then they're here and it's all god's fault and he did this to me and i don't know why so how do you make somebody to say you, you gotta stop you gotta how do you make so i i, I know it's a hard question i know well there's, if you want to find a, just a physical answer for something, you can ask this question. Is there bad in the world? And you say, well, sure, there's bad in the world. Is there hate in the world? Well, of course there's hate in the world. Well, where does hate come from? And we look around and we're like, hate comes from selfish people acting selfishly. Mm -hmm. uh, when we act within our base instincts, instead of suppressing those that which are our instincts, I mean, our instincts are to take and to, to serve ourselves. You know, if, we, if we're left to ourselves, we'll just do selfish things. So we have to, somehow, something has to cause us to want to submit to something higher, whatever that higher thought is. So if we say, where does bad come from? And we say, well, bad comes from within. It comes from us. We've created it. Can good come from us? Well, some will say yes. But I don't think that bad nor good came directly from us. I believe that we were influenced by both bad and by good. Mm -hmm. How are we influenced by bad? By, of course, by Satan. Some have said, well, that's too simplistic. You're, that's, you're just regurgitating what it is that your mother taught you about a fable she heard when she was a child. Like, and there's validity to that if there were not a Bible. There's validity to that if there were not a Jesus. Because when Jesus came, he demonstrated something better. He demonstrated a sacrificial life, that he was acquainted with sorrows, yet without sin. That in Isaiah 53 says, he suffered in every way like his way. In fact, he suffered much more than we suffer, frankly. Yet as a result of, of his suffering, he paid that penalty for us at the cross of Calvary for our sake. So his life and his suffering was with a purpose. When we go through life and we suffer and there seems as though there's no purpose, we can look and say there are two things that are going on. One is there is a God who loves and there is a Satan who hates. So Satan who hates corrupted the world and society and humanity so that in my flesh there's no good thing in the first place. So left to myself, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of how it affects or impacts anybody around me. And yet I have the influence of God in my life that says, but there's a reason to actually care about my neighbor and my brother. There's a reason to be better. And when I look and I say, but the reason itself is not just good enough. 
because I want to be better from the world's perspective would make me a loser. I'm a sap because I will then give my resources to the poor. I would then expend my efforts and energies to help someone else instead of getting my own. That would be from the absolute humanist perspective. But we know that there is something greater. And by us, I mean almost everybody, maybe everybody I've ever spoken to, knows that there's something better than us. Mm-hmm. Knows that there is a, a reason. Uh, they can't put their finger on it, maybe because they choose not to investigate deep enough. But in our very hearts, according to you know Romans 1, 2, and 3, we have no excuse for that which already goes on in the heart of man. That we know that, that uh, by the examples around us, we know that there's a God. By our very conscience, we know that there's a God. By our very uh, examining the creation itself, we know that there's a creator. And when we look around and we start to excuse it away and say, no, there has to be some other way other than God, uh, we deceive ourselves and we just give license to others who say, then there's no justification for being less selfish. I should just try to be as selfish as I possibly can. And then when I make my millions, then I can be magnanimous and be a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. But as long as I'm just one of the, you know, the worker bees, then I've got to collect more pollen and honey for me than for you, as opposed to saying, there's a great benefit to being part of a society because there is something greater than us, and that's our eternity. And when we care more about our brother's eternity than we do um, getting our own, that's when we have a, a better mindset, and I think that that's the heart, a heart that represents the heart of Christ. But unless a man is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So unless someone has said in their hearts, and as Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, that means he was a rabbi, and he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I just don't understand. I've looked at the, I've looked at the Old Testament scriptures over and over again. I love God and I love the word, but you are, you're a conundrum to me because I never expected you were going to come like this. When the Messiah came, I thought he was going to throw off, throw off the Roman oppressor, and you are not doing that. You're coming here and you're suffering, and now you're going to get yourself killed. And Jesus said to, to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again even when he's grown? If I'm uh, a grown man, I, I can never enter into my mother's womb again. What are you saying? And Jesus said, you need to be born of water and of blood. Born of water means the natural birth. Right. And born of blood means you need to be born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave them the example. He said, just as the nation of Israel went through uh, the waters in Moses, so you must pass through. And he's like, okay, I understand that. I, I believe that. So how do I wrap my mind around this? And Jesus said, the old man needs to die. So on the cross of Calvary, that's why we baptize the way we do, we are recognized that according to Galatians 2.20, that as Paul is writing the church, churches in the, the region of Galatia, he writes to them and he says, we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. You know, We are symbolically dead in Christ because he paid the penalty for us. And I believe that his blood covered my sin and he washed me white as snow. That from my perspective is unreasonable, but Isaiah says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. So it's reasonable to God because there's no alternative. I can't do anything to earn a place in heaven. I can't earn perfection. I'm imperfect. I need to be reborn and reborn in the spirit. So as a result of of my rebirth in the Spirit, I now have a new heart, and I can see things from a much clearer perspective. 
I see the value of sacrifice. I see the value of giving. And the value is more than just, I hope that at some point things will be better as a result or society will be better or, you know. Uh, but as a believer, believers many times don't live up to what it is we should. Believers right. should be the best at recycling. The believer should be the best at protecting the environment and caring about our neighbor. Believers should not use, use that as an excuse to not take care of those things and be good stewards of what it is God has given us. And when we, when we don't or when we you know, are scoffers at those things that are concerns of other people, what we say to other people is, I don't care about your concerns. Right. And that's never been Jesus, Jesus' heart. No, no. Okay. All right, so with that, we are going to come to the end, and hopefully next week we won't be talking about all the hatred that is going on right now that we have. So any final words that you would like to say? Yes, we identified the problem. We identified the solution. The solution is Jesus Christ. People need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior need to act accordingly. We need to act like it. We need to say, Lord, what would you have me do? How would you have me live? Live a sacrificial life that cares about our neighbor, cares about our brother more than ourselves, And we need to gather in, into church fellowship again. I think that a, a society that has been in lockdown for the last 90-some days, days yep. that we are not created to be a society that is locked up like that. Mm -mm. We're not created to be isolated. We're not created to be... Um, Sheltering at home is not is not the way we are designed. We're designed to be in and around and among other yes. people. We need to associate and engage others. And when we're restricted from that, and even the the connection that we have with other humans, we're doing from six feet away wearing a mask. Yes, that uh, I understand the necessity for for that. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying that that is that is contributing to the greater anger and the greater problems that we have. And when people are not um, given, uh, given an opportunity to be a blessing to other people, to be an encouragement to other people, to talk and communicate at a deeper level, to be able to care and know that someone cares about and for them, that we then are, we are not going to be spiritually or emotionally healthy when we're commanded to uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with them. And all we've been able to do of late is to mourn for them. Uh, when you can't even go visit a loved one in the hospital, that's a terrible day. Yes, very. Uh, and, and we need to know that other people care. And sending an e-card is, is helpful, but it's not the same nope. as mm -hmm. the phone call and the knock on the door and right. uh, how can I help you. And, mm -hmm. Uh, and that is what we're missing. We're missing the, the collective gathering together and that we need to do and we need to do sooner rather than later. And we need to get rid of all of that, which is the tension and the pressure that uh, comes from not knowing the, uh, the unknown. Right. To not know when businesses are going to be able to reopen, to mm -hmm. not know what tomorrow holds. People are, people are going to be afraid and they're going to start making decisions out of fear instead yes. of out of the confidence that yes. we should. But it we comes from knowing Jesus Christ, and right. it gives us a hope because we know that all things are going to work out for our good and for his glory. Yes. All right. So with that, before we end, um, we made some changes at, at the church. So this past Sunday, uh, we uh, we opened up our doors. Now, what are we doing about Wednesday night? 
Wednesday night still just streaming, or are you opening up the doors to the... We are not going to open up the doors on Wednesday night, and here's why. Wednesday night, we're going to have drive-through prayer. Anyone who wants to come from 5.30 to quarter to 7, please come through. We'd love to pray with you uh, from a distance in, in your car. Um, there will even, you know, we will be able to open up outside in the days to come. But the church, since we opened up church on Sunday, uh, we want according to CDC guidelines, to keep seven days between the services. Their recommendation is that when you have a service, that you have fewer people, certainly, and that you keep the distance. So we have to have multiple services. We've made many changes. We have an in and out, and we have a a certified CDC advisor who's uh, telling us and getting us all the equipment that we need. We have a great safe team. Lots of people were there as volunteers, all wearing masks to be able to, to help people keep their distance and not do things that are going to cause harm mm-hmm. to anyone else as they come. And then between services, we sanitize every chair, every doorknob, every surface, get sanitized. The team works tirelessly. They were wonderful at it, but we don't want to have anything from seven days from that so okay. that we can do it again seven days later. All right, so we'll basically be streaming tomorrow so night. So we're going to stream tomorrow night live at 7 o'clock. And then Sunday back to the two services. Sunday two services, 9 and 10.30. 10, okay, just so everybody knows. So um, to find that, you go to YouTube and is Calvary, uh, Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. You can watch the stream. It starts just a little bit before 7, and then the pastor comes on. If for some reason you still feel compromised and you don't want to come out, I know the pastor feels strongly about this. Please stay home. We stream at 10.30 on Sunday. And as the pastor says, we try our very best to make it look top-notch. Occasionally, we're just as human. And uh, I may hit the wrong button and advance the song three songs ahead. And poor Vincent doesn't know what to do. Um, but thank God he's, um, he's on top of it. But please, um, if you don't want to come out, we understand. And as the pastor said, tomorrow night, if you want to come out, uh, you'll stay in your car and there'll be members there to, um, say a prayer for you. And of course, the pastor would be there also. So we'll join again next Tuesday, same time. But before we do that, Pastor, will you lead us in a prayer, please? Sure. Father, we come to you and we thank you for the privilege that we have to know you and know that you have all things settled in heaven and that you're a God who has not left your throne. But here in this earth, we we see struggle and turmoil and we now see a pandemic and we see those things that you told us were going to come as uh, the world starts coming to a conclusion. Uh, I know that you're coming and you're returning soon and you've given us the the indicators of what we can expect. The men are going to think more of themselves than they do others. They're going to be self-centered, that they're going to be angry and wars and wars in places we never thought of. And they're going to be more and more the, the natural disasters and then unnatural disasters. And when these things happen, uh, we're not to be shaken. We're not supposed to be uh, terrified. We're supposed to recognize that these are the beginnings of the birth pangs and that one day you will come again. And this earth is subject to a curse and we know that eventually it's going to, you know, to wind down and to come to a conclusion. Uh, um, but Lord, I'm surprised it's happening so fast. I invite you to, to, Lord, hear our prayers. Help us to get on our knees and repent and then heal our land. 
So we implore you to get involved in the circumstances and the hearts and lives of people. We pray for those who are in, in authority those who are in leadership and in government. I pray that first that they will uh, make sure that their relationship with you is sound and correct, that they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they certainly, that they begin by fearing you so they can start with wisdom. And that, Lord, that you will pour out your wisdom and be able to give that which is uh, uh, the next right step for each one who has to make these decisions. We pray for our governor, we pray for our president, we pray for our local officials uh, as they're uh, confronted with these difficulties. We pray for the, the citizens and the people of Atlantic County and Atlantic City who are suffering and they're, they're fearful now. And those who are bad actors, Lord, I just ask you to keep them home. Whatever it takes to keep them off the streets and from uh, doing more damage and more harm, Lord, I ask you to protect, uh, protect the people. And through all of this, Lord, give us an opportunity to be drawn closer to you and maybe maybe let your light shine a little bit brighter. May we come to a saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we give our hearts to him. And uh, Lord, redeem us and give us your peace and send your calm. And we give you all the praise for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com.